Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transform their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now, here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. Our guest today is Sally Hogshead. She's a Hall of Fame speaker, best-selling author, and the world's leading expert on fascination. You might wonder what that is all about. Well, Sally's here to talk with us today, and she's also going to be in Kansas City for the Central Exchanges Leadership Lyceum coming up here, and that will be April the 29th, and she will be the keynote speaker. In fact, the opening keynote, she's going to be talking about how the world sees you. Welcome to the show today, Sally. Hey, Kelly. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. I'm really looking forward to being with you at Lyceum. You've got quite a fascinating history. You actually started in advertising back in your early 20s, from what I understand, and you worked with some of the world's major brands, making them, I guess you could say, making them fascinating and standing out. So tell us a little bit about your background and then how you have segued all of that experience into helping people become fascinating personally and creating their personal brand around that. Sure. Thank you. Kelly. I started my career as a copywriter in advertising. And the copywriter is the person who comes up with the idea behind the television commercial mm-hmm. or writes the headline or writes the tagline. And I absolutely loved it. I, I fell head over heels in love with advertising from the very beginning of my career because I loved pinpointing what makes a brand different, what makes one brand different than another. And I'll, I'll give you a fascinating piece of research I did. Um, I, If you give a woman two pairs of sunglasses that are exactly the same, but one of those pairs of sunglasses has a Chanel logo, women will pay four times more for the pair with the Chanel logo, even if they're exactly the same sunglasses as the pair without the logo. Hmm. So what I learned was when when a brand can create some kind of an emotional connection with the consumer, the brand can charge far more money, be more respected, be more loved, be more admired. And about 10 years ago, I started shifting away from advertising and shifted my research over to people. And I found the same is true for us as individuals. If we can position ourselves in a valuable way in a crowded marketplace, we're going to be more likely to be heard, remembered, hired, promoted, championed for, befriended, because we can stand out based on our natural personality advantages. And this is what you're going to be talking about at the Lyceum. I believe there's seven traits or seven different ways that we stand out every day, even without even knowing it. Yeah, without even realizing it, there are certain forms of communication that come really naturally to you. And when you communicate in this style, you're going to be more confident. People are more likely to listen to you and take action to you. When you feel confident, your brain responds by getting your body into a groove where you feel like you're in the flow. It's like the words just naturally tumble over one another. Your body language relaxes. Your mouth produces more saliva. So your, your words actually sound different when you feel confident. And what I discovered in my research is that not everybody communicates the same way when they feel confident. Some people communicate with emotion. And I call these the passion personalities. Mm -hmm. I have a primary passion advantage. That means when I'm communicating at my best and I feel most confident and I'm going to be most likely to impress and influence the person on the other side of the table, I'm going to communicate with adjectives and stories and images. 
But not everybody communicates like me. In fact, most people don't communicate like me. Some people communicate with details. Some people communicate with goals. Some people communicate with trust and consistency. And I found that there are very specific patterns. There are seven different forms of communication. And your personality naturally uses one of these when you're operating at your peak. And when you can identify what is your number one mode of communication, you're going to be more likely to be heard, to be remembered, and to get people to take action on what you say. Mm -hmm. So so you have a dominant mode. That doesn't mean that you don't have the others, but there's one that is dominant. And when you can use that and be in that mode, then that's when you're going to be the most effective. Uh, Tell me about, is this just when you're speaking? Does this apply to the written word, um, nonverbal communication? Uh, Can you be a little more specific about that? Yeah, wonderful question. There are all different forms of communication. Sometimes you'll be in a meeting. Imagine imagine a high-pressure meeting. Kelly, what's an example of a time when you want to make sure that you're communicating at your best, you're making a great first impression, and that you're building relationships? Is there a certain type of meeting? Sure, yeah, when when you're on a sales call, for example. Yeah, so when when you and I are communicating, um, you know that you're going to be creating a certain type of response in me, in the listeners. You want to be adding value. Your, Your personality is most likely to add value in certain ways, and yours is not going to be the same as me. But if you know how the world sees you at your best, you can focus in and double down on those traits. Every time you communicate, you're doing one of two things. You're either adding value or you're taking up space. When you add value, people want to listen to you. They want to. Um, they, they want more of your opinions. They trust you. They admire you. They follow you. They buy from you. They hire you. On the other hand, if you're just taking up space, then you're not really contributing anything new to the conversation. People are more likely to ignore you or forget you. Or worse, they'll kind of put you in a, a mental spam folder. You, right. you know that feeling when you get a spam message mm-hmm. and you, you delete it and you, <laughs> you, you, you file it away to make sure it's not going to come back. Well, exactly. If we're not adding value when we communicate, people don't remember us. And so we get relegated to that. Or or they might remember us in a bad way. And before you even really have a chance to get your message out, they've already mentally put you into spam. They've already tuned out and uh, your time is being wasted too. So let's talk about how you measure that. You have an assessment that people can take, correct? That's right. It's called the Fascination Advantage. And we've measured 600,000 professionals. And we found that there are patterns among the high performers. Let me describe how we developed this. Originally, as you know, I was in advertising, and I started mm-hmm. seeing the patterns among what the, what the top brands were doing. Clients of mine, like Nike, Target, BMW, Coca-Cola, Mini Cooper. I found that, that these brands use different modes of communication, the same seven types of communication that we were talking about earlier, like passion or power or trust or alert. And uh, about five years ago, as I, as I was publishing my last book on, on what makes brands fascinating, I realized that human beings do the same thing. Every time we communicate, whether we're in person or writing an email or making a presentation in front of a room, we are, we are creating certain cues and signals in how we build rapport. And I think that if you understand how people see you, then you can focus in on those areas where you have an advantage. So the assessment that I created has 28 questions. It's incredibly fast. It's about three minutes. Originally, the assessment was 150 questions. It took 30 minutes. 
But we realized that the same 28 questions gave us all the data we needed. So after you take the assessment, it's not measuring how you see the world. It's measuring how the world sees you at your best based on marketing. And so it's different than a traditional assessment like Myers-Briggs or StrengthsFinder or DISC. It's not measuring psychology. It's not looking out at the world through your eyes. It's the opposite of that. It's measuring how do people see you, just like we can measure how people see the world's top brands. Right. And whenever you, when somebody takes this test and they find out where they fall, what are some of the steps that people can take to make sure that they are in that mode where people... How can they apply it? Yes, exactly. So that they're better at what they do. That's an awesome question. Um, let's take a look at, let's take a look at how a brand would assess itself. Imagine if a brand, we'll say a car manufacturer, they're coming out with a new safety feature. If they did a focus group around the country talking to moms about what kind of safety features do you want, they would probably get a lot of great feedback. Well, I want to make sure that my kid's going to be safe in the back seat, or I want to make sure the airbags turn off when my teenager is sitting next to me in the, in the front seat and so on. Well, that feedback is critical because that feedback is describing how the world sees the brand and what the world values most from the brand. This assessment is measuring how people value you and your communication. And so when, when you receive your report, you get adjectives that describe who you are at your best so that you can be applying this in places like your LinkedIn profile. We've all struggled with trying to describe ourselves in a bio, on a website, maybe even on our Facebook page. Have you ever had that, Kelly, where even though you are, you communicate for a living, have you ever struggled to find those perfect words? I think everybody, well, most people, let's not say everybody, but most people, I think, do struggle, even if they're good communicators about th other things and other people. I think when it comes to the, talking about themselves and describing themselves, it is a struggle. And we can feel insecure, too, because mm -hmm. when we're sitting there trying to type words to describe who we are, how we're different, why somebody should listen to us or respect us or hire us, uh, it can be intimidating. And so what happens is a lot of times we just avoid it. And so as a result, our LinkedIn profiles all look the same. Um, our bios all sound the same. And we end up talking about things that aren't really giving people a clear idea of why they want to connect with us or, or work with us. So this assessment is measuring what are the qualities that you have that make you most valuable, just like those Chanel sunglasses, the qualities that make people want to reach out and connect with you. I'll give you a few examples. I can do details if I have to. I mean, mm -hmm. if, if I'm on a project and, and the project is not going to cross the finish line, if, um, if I don't figure out something in an Excel document, I can do that. But it's really not the highest and best use of how I can add value in a relationship or on a project. But there are other people that naturally can sit down to a spreadsheet, and it's, it's incredibly easy for them because their personalities communicate in ways that are meticulous, accurate, clear-cut, decisive, organized, practical. These are not adjectives that describe who I am when I'm going to be my most confident and really contributing something serious to my team or to my clients. But other people, that is how they contribute. And so they would want to use adjectives like that. And, it, and so in the report, the descriptions that I have are written almost like I'm a copywriter describing who you are as, as a product or as a company. I'm, I literally give you the marketing language that you need to describe yourself when you're making a presentation or introducing yourself to a new customer or trying to make a great first impression. So, for example, a moment ago I described a personality who might be detail-oriented could be very different than me. When, when I hire, I'm not looking for people who are like me. I'm looking for 
people who can bring something else to the table because I don't need redundancy in my company. I need to have a range of different advantages. So when I hire, I don't look at resumes as much as I look at the results of their fascination advantage assessment. So if I'm hiring an administrative assistant, I would want somebody who is clear-cut, accurate, meticulous, organized, practical, constructive. Those are the kind of results from the assessment that I'm looking for. I wouldn't necessarily, as an administrative assistant, want to hire somebody who's unorthodox, irreverent, pioneering, cutting-edge. Those kinds of adjectives might be great for a business partner or, um, say, a brand consultant or a, a film director, but they're not going to be right in the administrative role for me. Exactly. And just going back to uh, when we talked about bios and how they all sound alike, I just wanted to point out that you don't have that problem with yours, obviously, when you write a line like, uh, lived with an African tribe inside a goat dung hut. So I mean, that, that gets people's attention right away. The fascination factor really kicks in when you read that. So, but. Well, the wonderful thing about telling stories that give just a little snapshot of context about ourselves is that it, it, it's not just talking about what we do. When you tell a story like that, it, it gives your listener or, or um, somebody who doesn't know you, it gives them a snapshot of not just what you do, but who you are. So you can tell if I lived with a, in a goat dung hut when I was in college with an African tribe, then I'm probably going to be um, a very uh, experimental uh, person who doesn't want to always do things exactly the same way and instead expand my boundaries to be able to find new ways of thinking. And that's exactly what I did with the Fascination Advantage, giving people a new way of thinking about themselves by looking at themselves through the lens of marketing. Exactly. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to talk, dive a little bit further into the Fascination Advantage, what you can learn from it, how you can apply it to uh, do all the things that Sally mentioned before, get promotions, uh, be more relevant and be more confident, all of those positive things. You're listening to Smart Companies Radio on Blog Talk Radio. We'll be right back. Profile America, Friday, April 17th. This date in 1961 saw the launch of the ill-fated invasion of Cuba by some 1,400 U.S.-trained exiles. The attempt to overthrow the Fidel Castro dictatorship was crushed at the Bay of Pigs. A reverse amphibious operation began this month in 1980, when what's known as the Marielle Boatlift began. Castro had announced that any citizens wishing to leave the island could do so. Voluntary exiles embarked in the port town of Marielle, just west of Havana. Some 125,000 Cubans crossed the Florida Straits in about 5,000 small boats, mostly coming ashore in Key West. The boat lift lasted until late September when Castro closed the port to any more emigrants. Of the 54 million Hispanics in the U.S., more than 2 million, over 3.5%, are of Cuban heritage. Profile America is completing its 18th year as a public service of the U.S. Census Bureau. Interested in growing your business? Thinking Bigger Business Media has the resources you need to grow your company to the next level. Whether it's an aspiring business, a startup, established, or mature, Thinking Bigger provides the how-to strategies, critical connections, and key information to make your business more productive and more profitable. Check us out at ithinkbigger.com and find out what successful Kansas City business owners already know. Thinking Bigger Business Media is the resource for growing your businesses. Visit us today at www.ithinkbigger.com. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your closet. Still no jobs, just more stuff? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. 
Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed. And they're the stuff inside your stuff. Our job is to unlock those jobs. And it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover keytar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff. Create jobs. Good morning. Welcome back to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. We're visiting here this morning with Sally Hogshead. As I mentioned, she's a Hall of Fame speaker, best-selling author, and the world's leading expert on fascination. She has a new book out, How the World Sees You. It's been out about six months, and she's going to be in Kansas City on April the 29th at the Central Exchange's annual Leadership Lyceum as the opening keynote, and she's going to be talking on that very topic, How the World Sees You. Today, we've been talking with her about why it's important in in a world that is full of distractions and clutter uh, not just with advertisements, but just with, with all kinds of things that people have to take in. How do you uh, make yourself, uh, play to your advantages, I guess, so that you can make yourself stand out from the many people that someone else might meet with all day long and, and really help them be fascinated by you. So we were talking about some of this before the break, Sally, and I, what I'd really like to do now is dive down a little bit, uh, we don't have a lot of time, but into the seven advantages that you talked about earlier. Sure. I spent the first half of my career writing ads for some of the world's most loved brands, and I found that there are patterns. And when you can identify the patterns behind how a brand communicates to differentiate itself in a crowded market, the brand becomes more valuable, more loved, and it can charge more money. So when I began studying individuals, I found that those seven patterns held true. One example of of a communication advantage is innovation. Personalities that use the innovation advantage love to dig in with creativity. They like to brainstorm. They like to come up with a whole bunch of ideas. They don't think about things in a linear way, one, two, three, four. Instead, they like to make leaps around, one, two, four. My husband has primary innovation advantage. That means he's going to be at his best, at his most valuable, when he can come into a situation and help provide a different type of interpretation. So he's not just doing the same thing over and over again. He's not just reinforcing what people already know. Instead, he's bringing something new to the table. Other personalities might use a uh, an advantage like mystique. Mm-hmm. The mystique advantage is about listening and communicating with substance. We know mystique personalities, they're the personalities that like to listen, observe, stand back, take in the information, and then come up with an answer. They don't necessarily want to jump right into the limelight. The way they're going to add value is by taking a lot of data, taking complex problems, sorting through them, and finding the perfect answer. So these are two very different ways of communicating. One isn't better than the other. The innovation advantage is not better than the mystique advantage. But it's important for you to know how other people see you and your communication and your advantages so that you can hone that and you can build a team that's based around uh, diversity, not just diversity in the way we traditionally think about it, but to build stronger teams in which different people are rewarded for contributing according to their personality specialty. 
Sure. And it also helps you as maybe the leader of a team or, or a manager, if you know the different personality types and you know that there's certain ones who probably have an opinion, but they just tend to hang back more that, than you can draw, perhaps go the extra mile to try to help draw them out a little bit too, knowing that they might not be comfortable doing that just yet, but still, uh, you know, being aware of that and, and still being able to tap into their ideas or going back to them perhaps later and, and asking them what they think of things instead of just you know, the meeting's over and that's the end of it. Uh, had you ever encounter people who have, uh, yeah, you have a dominant, but you have another one that's maybe a really close second, almost dual, um, even conflicting kinds of results? Yes. In fact, let's take a look at, at how teams work, not just individuals, but teams. Uh, I, I went in over the last five years and I've, I've researched groups inside of some of the world's greatest companies like AT&T, GE, Cisco, California Pizza Kitchen. I looked at different groups, and I studied what the high performers were doing differently. And we found that the biggest mistake that managers make is that they hire the person that they feel rapport with or some kind of chemistry with in the interview. And as a result, what happens is that the teams ha- are, are great at one thing, but they have these massive pitfalls in other areas. In other words, the team is really good at making sure that, um, that they're being creative, but they're not good at making sure that things are implemented and executed. And the same is true for us as individuals. There are some things that you're really great at. You know, there are other areas that are going to feel like a struggle for you, almost like quicksand where ugh, it's going to be mm-hmm. a total drain to have to do these tasks. The reality is you are perfect for some situations. You're not perfect for others, and you don't have to be perfect for everything. But you do need to identify what are the areas where you have a natural advantage so that you can shape your career and your business around that. Right. So you've mentioned two of them. What are some of the others that you've run into that the test shows? Alert personalities Mm -hmm. are detail-oriented. The alert advantage, these personalities like to prevent problems with care. They look ahead. They're constantly surveying the the environment to see what are things that could potentially go wrong? How do I make sure we have a good outcome? They're great project managers. They're great at details because they're able to look at all the minutia and to see every single little piece, every number, every I is dotted and T is crossed. They're constructive, they're strategic, they're fine-tuned, they're decisive. And so this is the type of personality that you'd want, say, doing your taxes or um, being an office manager to make sure that every single thing around the office is running smoothly. It's not necessarily the the communication style that you'd want. If you you needed a cheerleader who's going to get everybody motivated and excited and, hey, guys, we're (laughs) we're, we're, it's time for the softball game on Thursday, you you would want a different personality for that. You might want a passion personality like Mm -hmm. me. A personality that tends to be social and energizing. Exactly. So when when people take the assessment and they they learn their own fascination advantage, they start to see why why is it that certain situations set you up for success, and other ones seem like it's a constant struggle. It drains your energy, and it's not going to allow you to be seen in your best light. Right. You know, we've been able to get through three of these. There's seven of them. You're going to be talking about these, as I said, at the Central Exchanges Leadership Lyceum on April the 29th. You're going to be the keynote speaker. And if anyone would like to go out and register for that, just go out to the Central Exchanges website. You can Google that. And then, Sally, you have your book, which is going to, um, will you have that there at the Central Exchanges event that day? I might have a couple of copies to give away to people who are especially participatory. (laughs) The book is named How the World Sees You, and it describes 
uh, how people see you at your best based on my decade of research with over half a million people. And so you will also be able to get the other four of these seven advantages when you buy her book. And how would people get a hold of a copy of your book, Sally? They can go to Amazon. It was a, a New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestseller, and it's How the World Sees You. How the World Sees You, and we're very happy that Sally Hogshead will be coming to Kansas City on April the 29th, just a couple of weeks from now. So make sure you go out to the Central Exchange's website, get registered for that, and get ready for a morning wake-up call because she will be the keynote speaker at 8.45 that morning. As you can tell, she's a passionate personality, and, and she will get us going that morning. I'm excited about it. I can't wait to come to Kansas City and be part of this event and to and to help people become their most fascinating, their most valuable, their most fulfilled. And I think people are looking forward to that. So again, thank you so much for being here today on the show and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. If you'd like to learn more about how to grow your business, please visit our website at ithinkbigger.com. Follow us on Facebook at Thinking Bigger Business or on Twitter at ithinkbigger. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.